Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. Powered by the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperative. They do much more than keep the lights on for you. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, I got to call BS on this one. Man, I saw this press release come into my email inbox, and it was from the University of Montana. And it's not the School of Forestry anymore. Now it's the School of Forestry and Conservation. See, because, you know, they can't just promote, you know, forest health and actually doing things that are good for the environment. No, now they got to promote the radical environmentalists uh, full time. So, uh, but anyway, I, I get this press release. Montanans have grown more tolerant of wolves, according to ner- new survey from the University of Montana. And I'm like, oh, give me a break. I, you know this thing is a bunch of BS. But I thought, you know what? No, I, I need to not be so easily dismissive of this. Uh, so, you know what? I'm going to send this to a friend who knows a thing or two about surveys and polling and public opinions here in Montana. And so I'm not just going to just give a knee-jerk reaction here. I'm going to see what he has to say about it. And uh, suffice it to say, our good friend Evan Wilson back on the program with us here. He's a vice president for More Information Group, a Montana kid through and through. Uh, Evan, was was my knee-jerk reaction pretty much on point with this deal? Oh, Aaron, you're 100% correct. Thanks for having me on. Uh, good morning to folks in Montana. You know, I mean, look, we've had wolves in Montana for 30 years. Uh, Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, in coordination with the university, they've done this academic research twice before. They did it once in 2012, they did it in 2017, and now that we've got this new report out. And, you know, I mean, look, I don't want to, you know, throw shade on, on academic research. It has its place. But the reality is, uh, you know, the Montanans are not tolerant of the great wolf. This is, it, it depends on who you ask. And it just, it just goes to show you, you know, these, these surveys aren't just for public opinion and headlines. I mean, this is the same type of research that's then later used against us to show, oh, well, you know, a majority of Montanans are now tolerant of the great wolf. So let's continue to, you know, allow them to uh, depredate livestock, to run havoc through our elk and ungulate population in Montana. I mean, it's just a joke. And, you know, quite frankly, at More Information Group, we are in the field doing public opinion surveys on a nightly basis. You know, a lot of the work we do is for candidates running for statewide office, we poll on the gray wolf all the time. And I can tell you that the days that we see at More Information Group among registered voters in Montana who actually show up and vote is not what the University of Montana is trying to peddle for folks today. Yeah, it seems like they're trying to provide top cover for these radical liberal judges and for these radical environmental groups that are trying to force more wolves uh, on the Rocky Mountain region. And it is, it's harming the elk populations as it's been doing for, for decades now. And, and they're trying to limit uh, hunting opportunities to keep the population in control science this is all political science and this survey is designed to aid the the pro-wolf political science evan wilson always great to uh, to talk with him he's going to be with us here in the first half of the program this morning quick break here on montana talks by the way he's on his way to missoula as we speak uh yeah so anyway we'll talk more about this particular survey uh, right after the quick break and then hey maybe we'll get his take you know here as we're kicking off 2024 on you know the big news in the presidential race over the weekend and much more uh, plus uh, later we'll take your phone calls 294-0970 this is where montana talks Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Yeah, Montanans have grown more tolerant of wolves. 
My first question is, who the heck did they talk to? Anyway, we've got Evan Wilson, a vice president for More Information Group here. You know, Evan, I, I don't know if you saw this, but but just before Christmas, I we did a live show from Malta, Montana, and it was such a great time. But, there, man, folks were fired up, and, and it was about, the, you know, they were concerned about all these out-of-state hunters and one thing that we mentioned during that show is what some of our friends in Western Montana said is that is that yeah well as as the wolves push the wildlife out of out of the western part of the state or the southwestern part of the state well they also push some of the hunters out of that part of the state too to go chase the wildlife in eastern Montana so for folks who are concerned about too many out-of-state hunters showing up, you know, in parts of eastern Montana, well, uh, the wolves are pushing them that way, too, uh, in, in a way, right? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it's just frustrating. Again, we've had wolves since 1995. If you go back and look at the original environmental impact statement that Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, U.S. Fish, Wildlife Service, issued it was that the average wolf in montana was only going to take like 10 ungulates per year well we have we have 30 years of research now to show that it's 20,000 elk per year that these wolves are killing we got a thousand wolves in montana we don't need more and surveys like this just feel you know feed the misinformation that somehow after 30 years you know the poor residents of montana are just going to get used to the great wolf and that's nothing could be further from the truth I also think it's kind of interesting that this so-called survey was released uh, here uh, from UM, you know, right in the middle of 2024. Because, hey, you know, Governor Greg Gianforte, I mean, he is a legitimate outdoorsman. This guy, if you can hunt it, he's hunted it or he's he's, he's getting ready to hunt it. And, and he's taking part in wolf hunts as well. And. And, but the fact is the, the, the wolf population has gone so far out of control that, that reasonable uh, hunting and trapping was put in place, but yet uh, liberal judges, uh, et cetera, and these radical environmental groups are, are trying to take those reasonable scientific uh, hunting and trapping allowances uh, out of the equation. And I, do you think part of it may be that it's 2024 and, and they're trying to figure out a way to try to take shots at the governor at the same time? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, God bless the Gene Forte administration for what they're doing. You know, Greg, as you mentioned, avid hunter. I mean, you know, one of the funny things about this survey is you read all the headlines and you, you think that, like, a majority of Montanans are just in favor of this. Well, it turns out they also surveyed landowners and those who are actually out in the field hunting. Among landowners in Montana, the support for wolf management practices as they are status quo is at, like, one out of five. It's at 20%. Among hunters, those folks who have faced the direct impacts of these predators, um, you know, it's 86% want additional aggressive wolf hunting in Montana. So why that wasn't in the headline, you know, I have no idea. But, again, it's 2024. I was, you know, I was, I was just uh, looking at my phone uh, yesterday before I make the trip up back up to Missoula, which is, you know, part home for me in addition to Billings. Um, and it's interesting, you know, it's four years ago I was out in D.C. for the Trump inauguration. And I think, you know, everything that you cover from now until November is somehow going to be related to these November elections we've got coming up. That's right. And you do a lot of polling when it comes to elections. The other thing I appreciate about you is one of the last times we had you on the show, you actually were commissioned to do a poll. And and I think they wanted you to ask about a potential sales tax in Montana. And I think they were hoping for a different answer. But you didn't just give them the answer they wanted. You gave them the answer uh, that, that that you received from Montanans when you pulled them. And I think it's important to point that out, that sometimes you'll see these surveys come from these outfits 
and 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 they pay to get the results they want uh, for the political spin or or what have you. But you're telling people uh, you're telling people uh, what what it's like, what what the real deal is here. Well, absolutely. You know, I'm a, I'm a proud fifth generation Montana, like you mentioned. I'm I'm at the third busiest airport in the world this morning, uh, but luckily I get to catch the flight that's heading to Missoula. Um, which, you know, for a guy who travels for a living, every time I walk down that concourse and I see the gate to Billings or the gate to Missoula or the gate to Helena, I think, well, maybe next time I'll make it. And this, this time's it. But, you know, as a fifth-generation Montanan, uh, my dad did these surveys for, for, for generations. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years. Um, I have integrity. And, I, you know, this is, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not going to go into the field. We're not going to conduct a survey and, and, and generate an outcome. The reality is we're blessed and more information group. We've surveyed since 2018 over a quarter million Montanans, 250,000 Montanans on topical issues, live button public affairs issues that they care about. And, you know, again, as a sort of a, um, a political pollster, you look at these headlines generated by academic research and you just think to yourself, this is not the, what, what, what exists on the ground. Nobody at a coffee shop in Estella's in Billings this morning is talking about how much they love tolerating the gray wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, in fact, uh, if I'm sure if you, if you were in a coffee shop or a, or a, a bar or anywhere else and you told them how you had a successful wolf hunt, they'd probably break up in a in applause cheering you on for taking Absolutely. out one of those wolves and and for better uh sustaining the population, shall we say, if we want to use uh, the more woke terminology. Well, yeah, and, you know, I mean, speaking of woke, I mean, you know, look, there's a lot of issues in Montana that are going on. There's a lot of issues in our country. One of the issues, and we've talked about this before in the program, is the influx of -of out-of-state residents and the perceptions of the 12 million non-Montanans who visit our state every year. You know, tourism in Montana continues to be a big business. But a perfect example for folks at home, if you go onto Google.com this morning and you type in Wolves Yellowstone National Park, they will have a, a series of like promotional videos and had, you know, it's it, it stated as fact that reintroduction of the gray wolf somehow saved the beaver population. It saved the rivers in Yellowstone National Park. It saved the deer and the elk. And, you know, again, for native Montanans, when you see stuff like this, you know, there's millions of views, people from New York City, you know, and, and across the, the globe see these stories and think to themselves, oh my gosh, Montana, that's the home of the wolf. It must and be like, real. No. It must be true. I'm going to go pet that big fluffy cow over there in Yellowstone, too. Yeah, these people fall for it, don't they? Stand by. Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, we've been talking about wolves and this survey that says, survey says, uh, no, that's not what the survey would really say if you did a real survey. But anyway, they're saying Montanans have grown more tolerant of wolves. Uh, Yeah, uh, I'm going to call that one fake news. But more importantly than me calling it fake news, a guy who does polling and surveys for a living is calling it fake news, Evan Wilson. Uh, and by the way, he mentioned his dad. His dad was the late, great Dr. Craig Wilson from MSU Billings. Who, who uh, Evan, your dad was polling on wolves, what, 25 years ago, 30 years ago or so? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, at the time, it was it was fresh in the minds of, of voters. You know, the, the decision was made in 95 to transplant these wolves from Canada. I've got some of his old survey data. And, you know, I can also tell you anecdotally, as his son, 
um, one of the most enjoyable things that my father did was was ask Montanans their opinions. And, you know, turns out in the early, or the late 90s and early 2000s, if you want to get a Montanan's opinion on something, ask them about the Great Wolf. And just for, for listeners here, you know, so 2005, uh, my dad did a survey for MSU Billings. Um, it's called the Big Sky Poll. It, was, it would have been 10 years after the wolves were re- reintroduced in Yellowstone. Um, 57% of voters wanted the wolf delisted compared to 28% who opposed such a move. 2008, MSU Billings asked voters if gray wolves should be hunted. 75%, three-quarters of Montana said absolutely. 2015, so we're now two, we're 20 years of the wolf in, in Montana. University asked again if gray wolves should be on the endangered species list. 61% said no. Only 25% said yes. And, you know, it's not just about the wolf. Like, let's also talk, you know, we've got the grizzly bear in Montana. Yeah. And if for folks who are paying attention, you know, again, the, the UM survey asked if people were tolerant of the wolf. It's, but, but the way that they asked the question, it was like a four-part question, and it's, it's, it's akin to asking somebody up in Glasgow in January, hey, I'm going to ask you about winter. You know, are, are you supportive or are you tolerant of the current winter conditions? <laughs> what do you feel about snowpack? And do you like the local plowing efforts? It's a three-part question, and the answer is, I, I guess. You know, yeah. I mean, the wolves are here. They've been I mean, here. I can tolerate 40 below. I can handle 40 below. Doesn't mean I like 40 yeah. below zero. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's, you know, it's so often, and just for, you know, the edification of, of viewers out there, when you see a headline and you see a poll, make sure that you see how they ask the question. Because, again, how you ask a survey question determines 90% of the answer that you're going to get back from voters. Great point. Great point. Uh, I want to get your take on 2024 uh, Montana and Trump, especially now that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has withdrawn from the race and fully endorsed Donald J. Trump. Uh, But first, let's sneak in a phone call here as we chat with Evan Wilson. We've got Steve in Bozeman on the phone lines. Steve, did you have a quick question or comment? Yep. Hey, guys, uh, uh, these guys um, are in the minority, They're like like pro-wolf takeover, um, pro-Huckleberry to stop progress with, um, you know, building dams, et cetera. Uh, what makes these guys' voice so strong? Uh, is it just that they have more money and more time on their hands to mess with the legal system? It seems like hardworking um guys in montana our voice should be pretty strong when we talk about our issues but um these guys voices always seem to be way stronger than ours what that's a great question boy that is a great question why do they get so much favorable tv coverage why do they get so much favorable print media coverage why do they seem to dominate the college campus uh academia that's a great question man evan wilson i'll let you take a shot at it first oh steve uh, thank you for the question it's a phenomenal question uh, I mean, perfect example. He met Steve brought up huckleberries. You know, the federal lawsuit about, like, I, when I was a kid, I used to visit a huckleberry patch, and now, thanks to climate change, I can no longer visit that huckleberry patch. I mean, my God, folks, like, this is ridiculous. But to Steve's <laughs> point, you know, look, the average Montanan, the hardworking folks on the ground, they have a lot of things going on. They don't have time to, time to litigate, you know, the rut in the side of the road. They don't have time to debate whether Donald J. Trump should be behind bars. You know, they're trying to make a living, trying to survive. I mean, granted, in, in Montana in January, uh, you know, you're dealing with the, the impacts of, of the winter. And it, he's not wrong. You know, it's just it's, it's a vocal minority who have taken this stand against so many of the things that we call home. And the, and the, the, the reason that Montana is a special place. So look, nobody's advocating to go out there and exterminate the wolves in Montana. They've been with us for 30 years. 
We, we, we just need aggressive wolf management policies. Yeah. Well, and even under Gene Forte's administration, the problem becomes, you know, we got a thousand wolves. We want to cull half the herd each year. Getting 500 wolves, wolf tags in Montana, it's, it's, it's not, it's not easy, right? It's, it's, it's not like filing a lawsuit with Don Malloy. Um, you know, it actually takes real work. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and I think, you know, to Steve's question, it's, you know, there's such a bias in most media sources, uh, pro-left. There's such a bias in academia. Um, a lot of it goes back to, to government and government dollars uh, being used to fund this nonsense. And the and, and, and so I, I think it's a media bias. We see the same thing with, like, the American Prairie Reserve. They are opposed by most Montanans. They are a great threat to the future of this state and agriculture in particular. But yet, how many puff? pieces do they get in the liberal Lee newspapers and how you know what i'm saying uh let's go to richard and jordan next with a uh, quick question or comment richard thanks for the call good morning uh say it's, it's very odd you guys are talking about this this morning uh i over the weekend i watched something that popped up uh on my uh, my surfing on my tv and it's called Mystery in Yellowstone. It's an indoctrination film that everybody should see because you're going to laugh when you see it. It's professional documentary that they say the elk herd is dwindling, and it happened right when the wolves were introduced into Yellowstone National Park. But they have biologists that go in to figure out why the population is dwindling. And they spend half the video saying it's not the wolves. <laughs> Let me guess. Climate change. Blame climate change. You know, keep climate change. Climate change was mentioned a few times, but what they blame it on is the grizzly bears ah. because of fish. Oh, interesting. Interesting. That's very. I gotta uh, check out that piece of propaganda one of these days. Richard, thanks for the phone call. I know we're getting pretty short on time here. Evan Wilson, uh, do you want to jump in on what Richard had to say there, or let's talk twenty twenty four? Let's talk 2024. Everybody in Montana wants to know about Donald J. Trump. Yeah, so Ron DeSantis is out. He gave his full endorsement to Ron DeSantis. I was seeing some of the polling by Politico's playbook this morning. Uh, looks like Nikki Haley is uh, pretty far behind in New Hampshire. And could she even win her home state, especially with, with South Carolina Senator Tim Scott fully endorsing Donald Trump as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Eric Iverson, my boss, based out of Missoula, um, had the privilege of working for the Tim Scott campaign. Uh, Tim was out in New Hampshire this week, endorsed Donald J. Trump. You know, I think it's, it's a tough road to hoe for Nikki. Um, the reality is, you know, it, it, it goes back to that infographic that they showed during a CNN debate in 2016. And they basically showed the 50 states and they said, well, what's the number one social buzz? What are people talking about after the debate? And it just lit up red for Trump, right? I mean, no offense to Haley and her campaign. She's run a good race. Um, she, she certainly deserves consideration for a cabinet position. Um, but, you know, Governor DeSantis, a great governor out of Florida, um, you know, did his best, had, had ample financial support. But the reality is um, this is very quickly turning into a binary race. You've got Trump states. You've got Biden states. I just saw a poll uh, that came out last Friday, uh, national poll. And, you know, it's got Trump over 50% and a six-point lead on, on Biden. And folks on, on, on your show are, are smart. They realize, you know, when you see a Republican polling at 50%, that translates to 300 electoral votes. You need 270 to win. we got a long race to go, a long year. And, you know, turn on mainstream media, and you'll, you'll just see all the new uh, 
bull crap that they want to throw at the former president. But the reality is, I'm sure folks on the ground in Montana are talking about the same things folks, folks across the country are, and that's, you know, a Trump-Biden general election. Well, and with, with the Biden tester policies causing, you know, destruction worse than what we saw under Jimmy Carter, it, it may not be too much of a surprise if there was a Reagan-style uh, revolution, revolutionary numbers that could come potentially out of 2024. So apparently uh, Democrats are now encouraging their voters to vote in an open primary for Nikki Haley because because apparently they think she would be easier to beat than Donald Trump. Meanwhile, I heard a source in D.C. tell me that the Democrats are spending a million dollars a week attacking Navy SEAL veteran Tim Sheehy. So it sounds like liberal Senator John Tester is very afraid of Tim Sheehy being the guy to face in 2024 in Montana. Oh, absolutely. You know, for people uh, on the call today who vote in primaries, you know, God bless you. The, the, the primaries are, are what matter most. Uh, but the reality is, if you're going to be competitive in a Republican primary in a state like New Hampshire, in a state like South Carolina, or a state like Montana, you've got to have a good a good read on what the grassroots really cares about. And, you know, the, the, the other flip side of the coin there is after you win your primary, you've got to be able to speak to those, those, those nonpartisan voters across the country who aren't as engaged as you, you know, and who want real change. I mean, looking under the Biden tester policies of the last four years, it's miserable, right? I mean, cost of, cost of living is sky high. Uh, we, we continue. I mean, look at the Houthis in, in Yemen. I mean, my God, we, we had them on a terrorist list. Uh, Biden took them off, and now they're just launching missiles every day at, at Red Sea sh- sh- shipping and, you know, our, our fleet. I mean, I mean it's, just, it's, it's a, a world gone crazy. It's going to be a long year. Um, make sure you get out and vote. But again, you know, looking at these candidates and how they position themselves towards November is, is really important. And I think, um, you know, Haley's doing her best right now. Uh, is it going to be enough? You know, tomorrow night's the New Hampshire primary. Uh, quite frankly, no, it's not going to be enough. Uh, Trump's going to carry majority of the electorate and continue to beat Biden in general election polling. Well, and you mentioned the Houthis and some are saying, who's she? No, 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 Houthis. And yeah, Trump saw them as a threat before, and then Biden took them off the threat list. Uh, you know, well, and of course now, tragically, we've had these two Navy SEALs uh, who were missing after a massive search effort. CENTCOM is now to, uh, declaring them uh, officially presumed to be deceased, which is just tragic. Uh, and just, uh, man, I mean, one SEAL fell in the water, the other without even blinking jumped in to try to save went in to try to save his buddy and that's just the remarkable men and women that are serving in our military that will just jump in god bless that one percent in our country and you know montana we're lucky it's it's over ten percent we're one of the highest per capita uh rates of enlistment and service uh thank you to all the veterans out there you know it's a scary world we live in i'm a father of two uh yeah it's you know every day um there's there's a new threat to american democracy um, but, you know, I, I will I will couch that with saying, please don't watch MSNBC or CNN because <laughs> their threat to American democracy is, is non-existent threat. That's uh, right. Keep hope alive. Evan Wilson, God bless you as well. Thanks for your time. This is where Montana talks at with Lane Nordland. USDA announced a pilot program to allow more cattle producers and meat processors to access better markets through USDA's official beef quality grading and certification. The remote grading pilot for beef developed by the Ag Marketing Service matches simple technology with robust data management and program oversight to allow a USDA grader to assess beef carcass characteristics and assign the official quality grade from a remote location 
reducing costs and location as barriers to participation in the voluntary grading service. Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack. Last year, in 20 operations across the country, we said, what if we train people to take really good photographs of the carcass so that people grading it could see what they would see if they were looking at the carcass in real time? And what if that grader was someplace else and had a few minutes in the day to look at that photograph? and to make a determination of, well, that looks like it's prime, that looks like it's select. And what if instead of charging $114 an hour, you just simply said to the grader, how many minutes did you spend looking at that photograph, making that determination? And the grader will say, well, eight minutes. Well, that's a heck of a lot less than $114 an hour. That can be $15, $16 an hour. Now, all of a sudden, it makes financial sense. Right now, about 90% of graded beef in this country is done in large packing houses. We'd like to change that percentage because that gives producers and that small processing expanded opportunity. That was Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Bilsack. I'm Lane North. Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. This is where Montana Talks. All right, now let's get to your phone calls uh, once more. We've got the phone lines open. Anything and everything you want to talk about here on Montana Talks. Maybe you want to react to something that Evan and I just talked about here in the first half, or maybe you got something else you want to talk about. Phone lines are open for you, 406-294-0970, especially since we're going to be uh, taking off for the SHOT Show in Las Vegas. Three days of live shows from the SHOT Show, the world's biggest gun show, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And, and so a lot of things, we're getting really busy. We're, we're packing a lot in before we take off. In fact, tomorrow on the program, uh, Jesse Ramos, Americans for Prosperity, Montana, kicks off the hour. Then Dr. Robert Marks, he's going to be the upcoming Big Sky Worldview Forum speaker. And he's talking about AI, artificial intelligence's influence on Gen Z and millennials and, and so much more. But looking at AI and transhumanism and and looking at it from a christian worldview perspective so that's tomorrow's show and then we got three days of the shot so so we definitely want to get to your phone calls today because that's the best part of the show uh let's see next up on the phone lines we lost paul in bozeman so let's go to warren in malta warren great to hear from you thanks for listening to kmmr Hi, Aaron. Thanks for doing what you guys do down there. I just wanted to touch base with Aaron, but he got, or, uh, Evan, but he got off. Yeah, he's, that, uh, he's got a flight to Missoula. Sorry about that. He would have loved to stick around. <laughs> I'm concerned that it sounds like he's got his finger on the pulse of the nation, and I'm concerned that they're going to get right down to the wire, and they're going to decide, well, oh, yeah, Trump is our, actually our, he did get elected president, so he's not eligible for another term. Yeah, well, the, I just wanted to touch, I just wanted to ask Evan what he thought about that. that that's a good you'll, point. You'll be talking to him. Well, well, you know, I was just thinking too. Well, I'll have to get Evan on more frequently here. He'd be kind of fun to just check in with every every couple of weeks or at least once a month. I know he he gets really busy during these uh, campaign cycles, but yeah, um, he's just so well spoken. I mean, man, he was just on fire there in that first half. But no, you raise a good question, which is so you look at all these 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 you know kind of phony indictments that are up against uh, Donald Trump right now and. Will they uh, would, you know, would they basically say, nope, Donald Trump can't appear on the ballot? Do they do it three months from now, four months from now, five months from now? And then what? Right. That's that's a concern a lot of people have. Exactly. It just it looks like there's a waterfall of 
uh, information coming down out of Georgia and stuff on these voting machines and stuff, and it just concerned me that it's all too convenient that it's coming down at this time. Thanks a lot, Aaron. God bless our troops and our cops. And that, that's right. Well, God bless you, Warren. Great to hear from you as well. In fact, I, 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 was, uh, I was looking through some boxes of books that I had, and I just found my cowboy poetry book that I got from Lewistown a few years ago. I think that was you we saw down there, right? Yep, you betcha. That's right. Okay, I thought that was you. All right. Hey, well, thanks for calling in. Great to hear from you, as always. Uh, 406-294-0970. If you guys missed it last night on uh, on, uh, Trey Gowdy's program, Fox News uh, Sunday night, he had uh, Congressman Jim Jordan on. And, you know, one of the uh, phony uh, persecutions that's taking place against Donald Trump is down in Georgia. Fannie Willis is the prosecutor there. And basically, basically, she she took six hundred and fifty thousand dollars in taxpayer funds, gave them to her alleged boyfriend. He then took the six hundred and fifty thousand dollars that he got paid by her to prosecute or to persecute Trump. And then they went on some really fancy vacations. Uh, So uh, Jim Jordan was discussing that with Trey Gowdy last night. Speaking of a full hour, there's a soap opera called The Young and the Restless, and honestly, that's what I thought I was reading about, but it's really Fulton County DA Fannie Willis being accused of hiring a boyfriend who has no criminal trial experience, and now there are judges that have a few questions for both of them. What do you make of this story? No criminal trial experience, no real experience in what she's saying is the is the, is the issue here and, and the, the RICO charge she's bringing. And she's paying him more than she's paying the, quote, experts who are part of her team. And, oh, by the way, he built 24 hours straight. I don't know how you do that unless you just go a whole day without sleeping and you're working around the clock, I guess. So, yeah, this is a big concern. We've actually written Mr. Wade, uh, Nathan Wade, the guy she's hired. We want to know who we talked to at the White House. We want to know who we talked to on the January 6th committee. We want to know who he talked to, the correspondence he had with the Justice Department. After all, the the, the district attorney's office there in Atlanta received $14.6 million in grant money from the federal government. Wow. Can somebody say election interference? The New York Post has this headline. Trump case could go off rails as the Fannie Willis love triangle and corruption investigation heats up. Let's go to uh, Sean in Libby next up on the phone lines. Sean, thanks for calling in. Oh, okay. I guess he's not there. Okay, that's all right. Let's go next to Tom in Bozeman. Tom, what's going on? Hey, Aaron. How are you doing? Hey, doing great. Um, you know, people have to realize how critical Supreme Court uh, races are. You know, we focus our attention on getting a supermajority in the legislature, and then the legislature um, passes all sorts of uh, business-friendly and taxpayer-friendly legislation and then the Supreme Court, um, you know, the ACLU or some other subversive organization like the Montana Democratic Party, they immediately want to appeal everything because they know they've got a receptive, favorable audience up there. And uh, it, it, it's like uh, we win in the legislature. It's a kind of a pyrrhic victory when all of our legislation then is reviewed by the Supreme Court who steps to the side if it doesn't fit their political narrative? Um, Dan Wilson and uh, Corey Swanson. Dan Wilson, very good man um, from Flathead County. Um, Corey Swanson from Broadwater County. It's critical 
that uh, people who are interested in the future of this state uh, contribute some money to their campaigns. Uh, dig into your pockets. Donate some money to their campaigns. I mean, Tester wins every year because uh, um, last minute um, the, the uh, Democrat establishment pours hundreds of millions of dollars into his coffers. So money talks, and particularly early money. It's critical that people, again, that are interested in this state, cough up some money right now for Dan Wilson for Supreme Court or Corey Swanson for Supreme Court. You know, let, let's change the, the composition of this court so we could have a, a, a real a positive effect on this state. You're right. You know, the, the term that, that they're using to describe what's being done to Donald Trump right now is lawfare. Lawfare. I, I like a different term that I right. use, which is I, I believe they're, they have been launching unconventional political warfare against Trump and against America. I think the COVID shutdowns were part of that unconventional political warfare against America. I think, uh, you know, so many of, you know, the, the, the BLM riots were part of that unconventional political warfare strategy let's call it upw instead of uw and but lawfare is is the more you know distinguished political term they're using to talk about the lawfare being waged to interfere in the 2024 elections but i think lawfare is the same uh, concept that can be used to describe the left-wing mob running our montana supreme court and a majority of our district courts right now they are they're abusing their positions of power to push their political agenda and it's very dangerous because it erodes trust in our courts and in these institutions absolutely absolutely all right well said well thanks for the call great to hear from you and yeah i would second what you had to say Corey swanson is a great guy uh iraq war veteran multiple tours uh broadwater county attorney uh, solid guy, known him for years. And uh, Dan Wilson, I, I didn't really know him that well. Ran into him in Malta. Seems like a great guy. But what I really like about Dan Wilson is, remember when when uh, former Governor Bullock was, was telling Flathead County businesses, you will shut down, you will comply. Now, I don't think he was saying that to the big Walmart or the other box stores, but he said it to those small businesses in Kalispell. Judge Dan Wilson said, uh, you don't have to comply. That's absurd. Uh, so uh, that's that's a guy who understands your constitutional rights. Matt in Billings next up. What's going on, Matt? Yeah, I just uh, heard you guys talk about earlier the uh, documents that were uh, deleted or are missing from the January 6th committee. And here's the thing. Is that it's not really shocking to us because when Hillary Clinton gets away with the crimes she committed, like people are going to commit the same crimes. It's just like, you know, downtown broken window policy. People commit the same crimes until they're held accountable. So That's it's not right. really like that big, that big a deal you knew it was going to happen. Well, and doesn't it make you even more suspect that they allowed January 6th to happen? It was a Reichstag fire so that they could use it against Trump and against conservatives all across America? Not only that, is that bizarre. Here's the thing. Is like this, what I was, the other point of this what I was going to try to make is like that's why it's so important that the House gets this right with Joe Biden's impeachment and exposes to the American people what actually happened. Because we don't know going forward that the same politicians are going to do. I mean, Menendez, for example, and like, you know, you don't know what these politicians before have done. Trump, Trump didn't have to because he's already a, a very rich man. But even before, you know, before like Obama or even the, the Bushes were rich, or how about Clinton? Clinton wasn't a rich man. Like, what kind of. How did they all get rich off of political office, right? John Tester, same way, exactly. right? Why is he worth millions now? Great question. Hold that thought back after the break. 
Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. Powered by the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperative. They do much more than keep the lights on for you. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Yeah, for those who hadn't seen the story yet, this one just published earlier this morning, foxnews.com. House January 6th committee deleted more than 100 encrypted files days before the GOP took majority. So Nancy Pelosi was in charge of the House of Representatives when January 6th happened. She was the one who refused additional security on January 6th. And uh, the mayor of Washington, D.C., Mayor Bowser, you know, the bad guy in the castle uh, in the video game. Yeah, yeah, similar. She refused additional National Guard troops for January 6th. It's almost as if they wanted it to happen. And and again, kind of like China and COVID-19, qui bono, who benefits? Who has benefited from January 6th? The same people that refused additional security. The same people that deleted evidence before the Republicans took over the House of Representatives. Well, well, golly, Gomer. Uh, back to Matt in Billings. Yeah, Matt, what else What else did you want to share? I know we, we only got a quick chat from you before the break. Yeah, one last thing. During the Fox uh I think it's called a Pingram, Pingram angle or something like that. They were talking about the ouster of uh, uh, Speaker McCarthy. And I found it very interesting. If you go back and listen, I don't know if you guys caught this, is they said that uh, the Democrats wouldn't work with McCarthy, nor would he throw them an olive branch to come across. But th- there is rumbling that the, the Democrats are able to, are willing to, are willing to work with Speaker Johnson. And th- my question to you is, do you think there's actually still some Christian values amongst the Democrats? Yeah, well, I mean, the voters versus the elected officials. Uh, I, I think there's there's voters out there that vote Democrat, and they're good people, and they have very good intentions. I think they mean well. Um, but I wonder if they even find it hard to continue voting for these kind of Biden tester, uh, open border, chaotic policies, uh, right? That's uh, not the FDR, uh, the party of FDR, like maybe they, they thought it was once. Uh, Matt, thanks for the call. Thanks for sticking around. Lots of callers on the line here. Uh, let's see, who do we got next? We've got, oh, Sean and Libby is back on the phone lines. I tried to go to Sean earlier, so let's let's sneak him on uh, now. Sean, what did you want to share? Are you there, Sean? Must be having some technical difficulties. All right. Uh, oh, wait, that's Linda. Have we lost Sean again? Okay, <laughs> golly. Linda, Linda, we got you now. Linda and Billings. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, um, yesterday I was listening to the radio to uh, Montana Harvest Station. Uh, Cattleman was on there. He was saying that uh, they're trying to give the mRNA shot cattle. Uh, the testing that they did on a herd of pigs, all the pigs died with this shot. Um, also, there is a convoy. It's called Stop, oh God, Stop on Stop Our Borders or whatever it is. Um, dot com. Anyways, there's a convoy of people going to the Texas border to stop the immigration from coming in. Um, I think it starts on January 31st. Um, I'd have to get more information on it, but I heard it uh, the other day on Jacob's show. Um, so anybody that wants to join this, kind of search this out. Uh, they're going to get a convoy and they're going to go down to the border and stop this illegal. They're going to go to three, four different places. 
So I thought it was really interesting that people should know about it. No, thanks for calling in. Because I remember when they were doing the Freedom Convoys on the, the Montana-Alberta border uh, in Sweetgrass and in Coots, respectively. Uh, it was one of our right. listeners. I didn't I didn't hear or see anything about that in any of the press. And I try to read a variety of sources and listen to a variety of sources. It was one of our listeners who first told us about that and ended up becoming a big news story, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Well, the reason Governor Ag- Abbott did what he did, he found one of those flyers on his desk when he came back. That's why he did it, because the people are getting to that point. They want these borders closed. So that's the whole idea with these. If we had 2 million people in Washington, D.C., can you imagine what would happen in Texas with the American people? I was joking. I forget who I was talking to, but I was describing the SHOT Show where we're going to be later this week. 18 acres uh, filled with guns and gear and ammo manufacturers. And I mean, you could fit the entire fighter jet fleet of the U.S. military inside these convention halls that we're going to be in uh, later in the week. And I said, man, you could just take all. What what I love about going to the SHOT Show is that you get, man, you get law enforcement, military professionals. I mean, it, it is incredible the people you see on your left and right. But I'm like, man, you could take all the men and women that are down at the SHOT Show in Las Vegas and, and all their gear, you could take over entire countries. Uh, certainly, you could secure our border. But then again, Donald Trump showed us that we can secure our border. It's just that Joe Biden and John Tester don't want to. They want the illegals pouring into this country. Speaking of illegals pouring into this country, you've heard a lot about New York City being overwhelmed by the illegal invasion. What about Denver, Colorado? Denver Health CEO Donna Lynn notes that they can't continue to operate under these financially challenging conditions as this humanitarian crisis rages on. City leaders are requesting federal funding to help. Last year, more than 8,000 migrants made about 20,000 visits to Denver Health for a variety of medical reasons, including childbirth, dental emergencies, malnutrition, and mental health disorders. The city estimates more than 36,000 migrants have arrived in Denver over the past 13 months, and many are in desperate need of medical care. Denver's mayor says city officials are evaluating how to cut 10% across all city agencies, including parks and rec and public safety to offset money being spent to help the migrants. All right. So the hospitals are being overwhelmed. You know, they're going to try to shut down schools, right? Oh, no, they only did that to you. They won't do that because of the illegals. Rock. I, Rock, I apologize. I lost track of my cue. We had so many callers calling in, so I apologize. Rock, I, I should have gotten to you much sooner. I apologize for that. So uh, uh, I hope you call back again.